Hello, 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 all my TikToking friends. I am Kevin Hughes. Welcome to the show. My guest today, uh, he used to be a VJ for the radio station KBPI. He was absolutely amazing. He had the afternoon show. I listened to his show all the time, and he's just a downright cool dude. Uh, met and talked to him and did a bunch of meet and greets with him uh, at a lot of concerts, and this was just a fun conversation, and it was really good catching up. I hadn't spoken to him in a while, so I hope you guys enjoy the show. Also, I now want to introduce uh, questions that my fans have for me, and I will read them on the show. And you can email all of your questions or letters to tiktokingpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have a question for me, if you want to just say hi and write a letter, I will gladly read that aloud on the show and uh, really excited for that. But for now, let's listen to Beardo and get a little bit crazy about radio. So without further ado, here's Beardo this week on TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes. TikToking. TikToking. Where creators come to play. TikToking. TikToking. Find out what they have to say. TikToking. TikToking. Fascinating interview. TikToking. TikToking. TikToking with Kevin Hughes. Beardo, what's up, man? What up, man? How you doing? I've been great, dude. Uh, you know, busy going through a lot of life changes and navigating those waters. Um, but yeah, things are things are fantastic. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw you. I think uh, I think the last time was that that Go Show, dude. Which like, how good was that show? That was that was the one you're talking about. The one at the First Bank Center, or uh, not First Bank Center at uh, Budweiser Event Center, right? Yeah, yeah, because uh, you. And myself and my cousin are we're the ones that took the picture with uh, the lead singer. Yeah, so. yeah. Who was like just such a nice dude. A little weird during that picture when he was in like full makeup. Right. But um, we did an interview with him at the the Fort Collins studios beforehand, and he was just like super knowledgeable, super smart guy, like just super nice as could be. But that show, man, was was fantastic. Oh yeah, it's really weird. I've noticed that that a lot of these bands that are coming off as quotation marks satanic or devil worshiping and and you're evil, but they're so intelligent. Like, I mean, look at Alice Cooper. I mean, that guy. He's a freaking genius. And I've just noticed that a lot with these metal bands, you know? I, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine about that recently, too. Like, it's, it's, I, I think for a lot of people, they see metal and rock bands and they automatically think that these guys are just going to be like a holes and jerks and like super standoffish. And in reality, they're, they're the type of guys that'll just give you like the shirt off their back. Like, they'll go in depth and have these super life-changing philosophical conversations with you they'll uh go out of their way to help someone and then they'll go on stage and put on makeup and sing songs about how much they you know worship the devil or whatever and it's you know it, at the end of the day it's it's a bit of an act it's for entertainment right. it's it's all in good fun yeah it's uh kind of like cory taylor that that guy i mean in slipknot i mean before we even knew who he was like you would think that they were just 
you know, freaks back then, early 2000s, you know, and I remember a buddy of mine had come to my house and he, uh, he had a Slipknot shirt on and my dad, he was very anti like Satan. He's like, Oh my God. And he's like, you can't be friends with that guy. He likes, he likes Slipknot. And I was like, dad, I like Slipknot. My dad's like, no, 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 you can't like that band. They're evil. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, you got to listen to the lyrics. Like you can't always just go off of a look. Like if that were the case, then you shouldn't watch any horror movie because it's all that, you know, they're characters, they're playing characters and it's, it's all for fun in a show, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, with, with any art form, there's a way that people vent some of the stuff in a unique way that like they can't walk into an office and vent, you know, at the, when, when these musicians and stuff start out, a lot of these guys are working nine to five jobs or part-time jobs. Like if, could you imagine Corey Taylor walking into like a pizza hut (laughs) and wearing his slipknot mask? Like people would think he was weird, (laughs) but he does it on stage and people, people get into it. They listen to his music. And um, I think that's a lot of things that are misconstrued with the heavy metal scene for sure. Right. Uh, A lot of people get into the, Oh, well they're just aggressive and violent and mean people. It's like, dude, some of the nicest people I have ever met has been at a Rob Zombie or a corn show. Right. You know? Yeah. So, okay. For the listeners, uh, if you don't know who Beardo is, so Beardo was a VJ on KBPI for many years. And, uh, I got to know him just seeing him at shows and, uh, uh, we just kind of kept in touch a little bit. And then over COVID, you know, things changed in the radio world. And now Beardo is is off doing other things. But I just wanted everybody to get a full understanding of who you were that who don't know you who are listening out of state, you know. Um, but you live here in Colorado as well. And have you lived have you lived here uh, all your life? Yeah, man, I'm a I'm a Colorado native. I grew up uh, in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Uh, Stayed there all the way through high school, Um, actually went to the University of Northern Colorado for uh, my bachelor's degree. Uh, At one point, I thought I was going to be a history teacher and did that for about three years before I pivoted into broadcast journalism and and some marketing stuff. Um, And then ended up in in Denver a little bit after college. You know, I kind of bounced around all over. I worked in Fort Collins. I've worked in Denver. Um, but now I'm back in northern Colorado, moved up here um, this past summer with, with my new gig, um, being a social media marketer. So it's it's a wild trip, man, but I love this state. Like, I I don't know that I'd live anywhere else. A lot of people ask me, you know, if you could live anywhere. Uh, it, it's Colorado has everything I want, everything I love. It's got seasons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're experiencing that now where we had a foot of snow in some places and now it was sunny again. Yep. It's got fun sports teams, great people. So um, it's tough to say that I'd want to live anywhere else. There's a lot of vacation spots that I still want to hit up, a lot of states I want to go see um, just to explore and get used to. But, you know, if I have my druthers for the rest of my life, I'll be parked right here. So yeah, Colorado is just awesome. And you're, uh, recently married or recently engaged, right? Not yet. No, no. Oh. I, uh, I, I, I have been dating a, a girl for the last two and a half years and, and we live together. We've lived together. It'll be two years in March. So, uh, progressing towards those next steps. And we've had some conversations about that. It's just, uh, not there yet. Okay. My apologies. I thought you, maybe you guys nah, were... no, all good. Okay. And so I guess what made you get into radio? Like what, what, what uh, what inspired you to get into broadcasting? Uh, man, that's a it's it's a crazy story. So, 
when I was in high school, like I, I fell in love with history and um, just kind of, you know, our past specifically with, with United States history. Um, there were a lot of things that, that weren't talked about, weren't, weren't um, discussed. And, and I wanted to further that discussion and, and kind of, you know, cultivate those younger minds. So I thought I was going to teach for the longest time. And right out of high school, I went to UNC, started a teaching program. I was actually a, a double major. I wanted to be, uh, I was going into politics and teaching. And right away, I dropped the politics major. I was just like, nope, like this, this is not <laughs> what I want. Like, I'm not going to go get a law degree and run for Congress and all that stuff. Like, no, thank you. Um, but with te with history, I, I just loved it for so long. And I actually got into student teaching. Um, I was doing my student teaching in Windsor at the high school there and loved working with the kids, loved making an impact in the community. But the politics to teaching and, and where it was when I was in college was when they were focusing on a lot of standardized testing. They weren't letting you have real conversations and, and kind of getting the both sides of the story. So for me, it was just really hard. And it, it was one of those things that I woke up one day and I'm like, man, this this is a job. This isn't a career. If if it's hard for me to get out of bed and go do work for a paycheck every day, like I could go work anywhere and do that, you know, and probably be happier. Like I want to be fulfilled. I want to do something that I love that I'm creating change or making a difference or, or helping people build something. Um, so I took about a year and a half off and I was running a bar in Fort Collins. And, and during that time, I fell in love with just DJing um, like weddings and, and bar gigs and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of when I really fell in love with just being behind a mic and working with a crowd. And so I went back to school because I, I, I was determined to finish my college education and be the first in my family to graduate college. Um, so through that, I, I fell, fell in love and I was like, all right, well, how can I make a career out of loving music and loving sports and being around people and, and having a voice? And I was like, well, guess I'm going to go back into broadcast journalism. And at UNC, it was, they didn't have a radio specific program. It was more for like TV and, and news broadcast and at the time, I just hated being in front of a camera. Like it was one of those things you could put a mic in my hands and I could chat all day, but you point the camera in my face and I would just clam up. Like, I don't want to read off of a teleprompter. I don't want to do that. Like that's not as fun. And I don't get to be me. You know, right. it's, it's stiff. Um, news, news broadcasters, I give them their props because to be a personality in the news world, you, you've really got to know how to stay on the story, how to have all of your facts straight and, and keep things moving. And for me, I was like, nah, I like to, I like to have a loose conversation. And at the time, podcasts weren't really blowing up yet. So like people didn't know. So I was like, all right, well, radio, you know, if I like being behind a mic, I like telling a story. I like having a connection to the community, but I don't want to be on camera. Like, look at this face. It's not built for that. Uh, that's why I grew the beard in the first place. Um, so it was just, you know, I finished out my degree. And, and after that, I was hitting up guys like, like Willie B from, from KBPI and just being like, how do I get my foot in the door? And, and he told me how to internship and um, kind of go some different routes. And eventually I, I landed a, a gig uh, paying me $10 an hour and, and working 20 hours a week just to stand under a tent for radio stations like KBPI and, and uh, 93.3 and KBCO, these iconic stations that have been around in, in Colorado forever you know for 40 plus years and, and so that's kind of how I started and um, 
from there, Willie, Willie and I built a really good friendship and, and he knew I, I grew up listening to KBPI. So one weekend he was just like, Hey, you, uh, are you doing any air shifts yet? And I was like, no, not yet. He's like, cool. You're starting tonight. And it was like on a Friday. He's like, go record a midnight to six show. And I was like, what? Like, seriously? He's like, yeah, you'll go do weekends. And if you're good, I'll put you on the air, like at a premium day part. And I was like, okay. So I did that for about six months um and then we had some weekend people who left to go do other things and, and the guy running kbpi was just like all right you got saturdays from five to ten and then um there were some changes in in iheart and uh you know dan um the midday guy for bpi he moved on so they moved me up there which is like the 10 to 3 shift which is like work day and i was like oh man like this is this is getting big yeah. you know and um, right before, so I just kind of worked my way up from there. I became the marketing manager. I was building websites and doing the, the on-air thing. Cause that's what it is. Like with radio, you can't just do one thing. You got to do a million. Um, then eventually they put me on afternoons and then, you know, as you kind of alluded to with COVID, uh, because my official title was marketing manager and not on-air personality. It was one of those like, Hey, you no longer have a job and we're just going to put somebody who can syndicate this for a little while while we navigate COVID. And I was like, cool. I've been doing this for a decade. I don't know what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was weird, man. And, and that's just how it goes with corporate radio. You know, um, I'm I, hopefully I'll be back in it maybe in some capacity uh, at some point. I, I don't know that I want to go full time again, just because it's a very unstable job and you got to be somebody people really really know to make it last you know like willie he, he's been doing it for i think 30 years now and and he's great at it like he's, he's fantastic so um it's it's weird it's a tough industry to break into i'm grateful for my time there it taught me a lot it built a lot of my confidence and, and gave me a lot of good friendships um you know guys like you that that i still am in contact with all the time and um, it's great. And I, and I, I miss being behind a mic. I, I'm trying to maybe do some podcasting things on my own a little bit more and see where those go. But for now it's, you know, I've, I've got a nine to five that pays me well and, and gave me a good house. And now my girlfriend's going to go back to school and we can support that dream. So, um, everything kind of works out, you know, everybody, I think there were a lot of people in COVID who, um, who lost their gigs and, and kind of went through the motions and, and came out better after it. So it's, it's one of those things that you kind of just take day by day and, and look for the silver lining. Yeah. I actually uh, went down to uh, Larry Uliberry's house a few months ago and uh, he was on the show and we discussed that as well. Cause uh, you remember Larry, right? From mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. West, Larry West and Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, so now they're they, another group too, man. That like once once they once their I think theirs was a contract negotiation. I don't know that full story, but after the fact they did like podcasting, they bounced around and they've been killing it. Like they're they're in good positions, yeah. man, and they're still so well known in their communities. Yeah, yeah. He uh he does uh, his podcast full time and it's like the Larry and Kathy podcast and she's got her own like Kathy T V show now which is pretty crazy. So yeah, they're, they're doing quite well. And it, it's, we definitely have seen such a change in radio and, and just music producing itself, just everything you can do from your home now. I mean, this setup that I have for my podcast, it never would have been like this, you know, even 10, 12 years ago. And uh, right. it's just crazy to see. Yeah. It's just crazy to see how everything is evolving and, 
and changing the ways that we were so used to growing up. And it makes me really think about what the future is going to be like when our kids are our age and, and in such, it's, it's so different, you know, it's, is there going to be human, uh, workers or is it going to be run by robots? Is it, you know what I mean? Like it just, it's so weird and it's crazy how, how things are today. So it's, I think there's always, I think in the music industry and the entertainment business, we can automate a lot of things and we can build these home studios, but there's always going to be a human aspect to it because there's, there's things in music that can't be replicated by robots currently, you know, maybe one day when there's a artificial intelligence that can decipher emotions and things like that. Um, but that's the thing about like this type of interaction is, is there's emotion behind it. You get full stories, you get that life experience. And that's where a lot of really good music and a lot of really good entertainment comes from is people having those experiences and, and either writing about how they would have changed it, done things differently, how they could do it all again. Um, I often think about, you know, what the future is going to bring and, and things with, uh, with other jobs out there. But when it comes to entertainment and music, man, it's, it's tough to replicate that human emotion that goes into it. Cause that's where you connect with it. Like we were talking top of the show about how people think that like Slipknot and stuff was like angry devil worshiping music. It's, it was really just a bunch of kids in Iowa that got fucked with a lot and wrote songs about how they thought people were assholes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, growing up being bullied when I was growing up, I connected with that, you know, it's a little different now cause I'm not in that same situation and I made better, but those, those things, those types of stories are what get you through those tough moments. So I think with music, it, it's always going to be um, that connection. And really what I think was cool about one of the cool things about COVID, because I always try to look for the pluses and minuses, sure. um, was how live performance shifted. Like when when we saw artists doing full on acoustic concerts from their living room, or guys like Post Malone doing a whole Nirvana concert series from his house with all of these other musicians in different areas. It was it was a fun concert to like sit back, drink a beer, and just watch on your couch. Yeah. Like it was a cool moment, and it was cool to see how people embrace that. Or like things like Parks and Rec, how they did a whole Zoom, like a, a whole show basically on Zoom, where they brought back the characters you loved. And um, I think those are the ways we'll see entertainment change a little bit. It might be a little bit less of us jam-packed in an arena full of a thousand people and more of us finding ways to interact with the whole world from our couch whether it's like this or zoom or with a chat box or or whatever it'll be it'll be that's the thing that i look forward to seeing how they innovate and and make those experiences more meaningful for people yeah yeah it's it, it was really hard I, I my wife and i we really enjoy going to live shows so, oh, same here. So when all of that kind of disappeared, I mean, it was it, it it was so boring to like that was our summer. You know what I mean? Like we did that mm -hmm. every summer. We at least make at least two or three Red Rock shows, and uh, we try to get to as many concerts as we can. And uh, when it just came to a dead halt, we were just like, "What do we do? Like you can't travel, you can't go see a concert. Like we were bored out of our minds." And and uh, it's funny I say that, but now that things are starting to get back to normal, um, we 
still haven't really gone out and done the stuff that we were yeah. missing. You know, it's changed. And I, so I work part-time security down at the Oriental in Denver. So I still get to go to some of the shows um, that I want to, but um, as far as just going and, you know, having a beer and hanging out, we haven't done that since they started doing live shows again. And it's really weird. And we talked about, we're like, why haven't we seen anybody? Like that was our thing. Like we missed it so much and now we can go see it and we're not doing it still. Like your life just kind of adjusts, I guess, with, with what comes at it, you know, and maybe the things that you loved at one time aren't necessarily what you needed to be satisfied. You know, you found another route and another way of living and, uh, and we've just kind of stuck to that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I feel that, man. Like, Sydney and I, um, last year, uh, or, yeah, 2021, when things started to kind of open back up and, and they were booking, like, Red Rocks concerts and stuff, her and I talked about it because we're such just live music people that we're like, all right, you know, let's let's try to pick out three to five concerts that we go back to this year and we'll make ourselves a deal where we go to a small concert like a bluebird or gothic or ogden type show we'll go to uh like a medium show at like mission ballroom we'll go to a red rock show and we'll go to like an arena show at pepsi center and the problem that we noticed and and i think a lot of people um kind of felt it is the ticket prices were just outrageous from what they had been two years prior like i wanted to go see modest mouse at red rocks and i remember looking at tickets the day they went on sale they were like 175 dollars for general admission i was like i i have seen modest mouse i i love their their fun they're great shows but i am not paying that to go to a concert like they like you kind of said like my life changed and there are other things i need to focus on where that money goes mm -hmm. so i'm not going to pay that so instead we bought tickets to go see 311 for like 50 bucks you know what i mean and it was a fun show like it was a fun show they weren't they weren't super great that night their, their sound was a little off but it was fun to be at red rocks it was fun to be in that atmosphere and we actually had more fun at the pepsi center show which is like uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like it's fun to go to see a concert, but like Red Rock shows are where it's at. We had more fun at the big arena where it was just crowded and like different ambiance, you know, like, we had more fun going to that than, than the Red Rocks concert. And it was just because the tickets weren't outrageous. It was a night out for us. We got to be around that that atmosphere a little bit. But then, you know, we haven't been to a show since then. That was our last one. And that was late September. Yeah, I think. All right. Yeah. It's funny. Last week we were actually looking up shows at Red Rocks just to kind of see who was playing this year and if we had any interest. And we saw, so Ludacris and Nelly are going to be there on, on April 20th. And I was like, oh, that'd be a cool show. You know, that was stuff I listened to when I was a kid. And, yeah, same. And I, I looked up ticket prices, general admission, $500 a ticket, Ooh. man. No, thank I'm you. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What is going on? I remember seeing uh, Eminem, 50 Cent, and Lil John and the East Side Boys at the Pepsi Center in 2003, I believe it was. And tickets were $80 for for the general admission. I was like, oh, my God, it's so expensive. And now, like, yeah. 500 bucks. And, I mean, Eminem, 50 Cent, and Lil John, like you can't beat that. Like, I don't know, man. It, it's it's insane how how ticket prices have gone up. I was actually really surprised. We so we bought tickets for the Foo Fighters show 
at uh, Empower um, coming up in August. And those tickets, I got I got down into the 100 level. Um, you know, I'm in the seats. I'm not on the, the field area for that show. But like pretty close to the stage. And that one was like, a hundred bucks for that ticket. I was like, I'll do that. Yeah. Like I'm it, to be in a big arena show, like, or in a big stadium show like that, hundred dollars to be down just a few rows off the field, kind of a little bit back from the stage. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. But, and, and tickets for the, you know, the higher levels were like 35 bucks. I was like, see, this is what a concert should be. Like what, what, ha- I know that we were all jonesing to go see a show after a year of just sitting on our couches watching YouTube performances, but $500 for a ticket, yeah. get out of here with that. Yeah. That's nonsense. Yeah. It's uh it's insane. And it's funny. So I don't know. My wife kind of calls me like a, a lucky charm in a way. I always got really lucky and and ended up winning tickets on the radio. And a lot of them was from you or Willie B. And uh, I remember, so my wife, her ultimate like dream show would be to see Breaking Benjamin. It's one of her favorites. She's never seen him live. I've never seen him live. And I remember I called in and I won tickets from you. And it was December 2019. And it was for September of 2020. And then that, and so when I won these tickets, my wife was ecstatic and, and then everything shut down and then they canceled all the shows. And it was like, it was heartbreaking for her. And it just, now that it's back, like I'm really, I am excited to see some of the shows that I really want to see. But back then we were like, oh, let's just go see every show. Now it's kind of like, I really only want to go to the shows of the, the, to the shows that really mean something to us that we love listening to, you know, and, um, yeah, it was just it, it was just crazy how much everything changed and and yeah, we're just living in a complete different world, man. We just really are. Yeah, and I'm wondering. I, I wonder a little bit if that's um, if that's what drives these ticket sales decisions. Is 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 promoters behind the scenes, the people who put on the shows and, and work with the, like the radio stations and stuff to make these events happen they know that there's a crowd that have shifted how they're spending their time and how they're spending their money. So for them, it's like, well, we can jack up this price and make it seem like it's a little bit more meaningful of an experience for these people who, who are very selective about what they go and see. So it's interesting, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of my friends that are in that industry. I know that they, they made a lot of changes. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blowback on, on how things have started to reopen and, and, and whatnot. So they're, they're busy. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And if it levels out, you know, it might, it might come to a point where it just levels back out and people are like, all right, we can charge $50 to go see this show or this band at the Pepsi center. We don't need to charge $500. That's outside. That's outrageous. Yeah. The, the one thing I did notice, and, and I noticed it this weekend that I really missed was live sports going to a live sporting event. Yes. Like I went to the Broncos game on Saturday and like, I got lucky cause I thought it was going to be a blowout and, and they gave us a good game with the chiefs. But like 
that type of atmosphere, being around fans and, and being around people who are just, you know, there to cheer and kind of forget things for a little bit. That is what I've, I've craved and, and missed the most. I want to go to an Avs game so bad, but still the tickets, the, the prices of tickets are just so ridiculous and even more so because they're a really good team. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're killing it again this year. So hopefully uh, once we get to the playoffs, we don't get taken out by someone like the Las Vegas Golden Knights again. <laughs> Got to get it past that second round. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> so what do you think uh, your favorite part of being on the radio was? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, actually, it, I know, I know what that answer is, and it's it's being connected to people. It's it's hearing stories like the ones you just told about how excited your wife was to see Breaking Benjamin. You guys called in, won tickets, and that made your day. Because I think with a lot of radio hosts, they forget that element of it. It, it, it you know, because you do, you turn into a personality, and part of it is very much like hey, look at me being a goofball. Like, I like the attention, you know? And and I'm not saying everybody does that. There's some really good-hearted people in the industry. But you got to take a step back and you got to remember the reason people are looking at you and doing those things and, and giving you those um, props is that you're making their day in some way. Maybe it's as simple as they called in and they just wanted to hear this song because they had a shitty day and System of a Down will turn it around. Or maybe it's they called in and they just wanted to vent on the airwaves about something that's bothering them. And now they're they're going through the rest of their day in a great mood. Um, it's stuff like that that I, I really miss. Um, it's it's the last two years has been a little tough. Like I get kind of in a shell um, around November because I'm not a part of the food drives like we like we did with the hand that feeds and um seeing those sorts of, of connections to community where, you know, we, we as people just put all the bullshit aside. It didn't matter, you know, who you vote for, what you support or, or where, what you're doing on the daily for just a few days. We have this connection as a community. We're trying to help out other people. And me as a radio host is the one guiding that conversation. Right. And that's, that's honestly, Honest to God, what I miss the most about it is just having those day-to-day interactions where you could make somebody's day by hooking them up with tickets to a sporting event or a music concert or playing their favorite song or, or you know, putting food on a, on a semi-trailer that goes to a charity that they support. Like, those moments are genuine moments that, like, you don't get anywhere else. Like, that's the one cool thing about radio is it is such a tight-knit community that, you know, when, when for, for, I mean, you know, with BPI, we called it the BPI family because that's what it was. Like we were a family of people that would come together and support whatever cause, you know, we even loaded a trailer and took it down to Texas uh, after the floods, like people who don't even listen to our radio station, like we wanted to step up and help them out, you know? So it's, it's stuff like that. It's, it's stuff like seeing the fires and whatnot uh, a couple of weeks ago. Or, and and seeing that devastation and knowing that if I was still on the air, there were conversations somewhere about how we can help those folks. How can we give those people places to live? How can we get them the resources that they need, whether it's food, clothing, money? Um, so it's those types of conversations that, that making that change and that impact in the community that I really miss the most. Yeah, and uh, you bring up the, the KBPI family and 
one thing I noticed in the last year and a half was not only did KBPI give to people in need, but the people listening, the family, they would, you know, when you guys were in need, they, they'd come and help as well. You know, when Willie B's house burned down, uh, you know, you just seen an outrage of people, you know, raising their hand to help him in any way possible. And that's really cool, man. I mean, that I don't think there's a lot of radio stations out there that has that kind of connection with their listeners, you know, and it, it, it when I saw that and I heard that, I was just like, you know, this is why they call it a family. Like this, this is, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's doing whatever they can not to help you guys too, you know, when you're in need. And I just thought that was absolutely amazing. And, um, go ahead. Yeah, man. I, I loved that. Like with, when, when I saw that stuff with Willie's house, um, just the people that rallied around him that, and, and it was, it's listeners that, it's not guys he he hangs out with all the time, but it is guys he speaks to all the time every morning on their drive into work and and they heard it and they were like, "All right, how can we help?" I had people after i was I was laid off that were just like, "Hey, man, you know you need just a meal. Let us know like you're our friend we we know you we've we've chatted with you like whatever you need, we got your back and it and it's weird like and that's where I say like sometimes as a radio host, you got to take that step back and remember why you're doing it every day and it's and it's to it's to build that community. And, and, and it's awesome that like even two years removed from it, you know, I, I was out at the Broncos game Saturday and I had people being like, Hey Beardo. And I was like, man, I, I haven't heard a Hey Beardo in public in two years. Like this is, this is wild, man. Like I forgot, like I forgot that, that there's, that that community still exists and it's really, really cool. It's really special um, to still be a part of that. Yeah. So that brings up the the next question. Where, where did that name come from where did you when did you get the nickname beardo and i mean obviously because you have a beard but uh like who i guess initially started that nickname so the the nickname itself came from uh nick cage um who used to work for 93.3 um like and and everybody's always surprised that i say that because they're just like oh it wasn't from like willie or scoop or anybody i was like no It, it came from nick cage um one when i was when i was working part time when i first started in the radio business uh i just had a goatee and i one day just it was winter i was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna i'm gonna grow a beard just for the first time in my life i'm gonna grow a beard and see what it looks like and and i just kept growing it and everybody was just everybody was kind of like i think it's one of those things with when when you're used to seeing someone a certain way they look weird Mm -hmm. when they do something like drastic to their appearance so nick nick cage was just like are you gonna shave you ever gonna shave that like what are you just some sort of beard just some sort of beardo now like what are you doing you're so weird like just just are you ever gonna shave and and after that it was it was more of a he kept giving me crap about it so i just kept growing it longer um, and then the nickname came and I was just like, all right, I'm going to lean into it. I'm just going to embrace this full bore. And I haven't seen my face in uh, like eight years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just, I've had a, I've had a, I've had a beard, you know, I've shortened it, but, um, I've had a full beard since, since, uh, 2012, I think. So nine years now, 10 years. Oh, wow. So instead of yeah. saying, what are you, some kind of weirdo now? He just said beardo. It was that what? Yeah, he just said. Yeah, he just said. What, what are you, some sort of beardo now? And and after that, it, it was one of those that like he said it, 
And there was a bunch of people in the office that day. And so every time they were just like, oh, hey, you beardo, you beardo. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to embrace it. I'm just going to lean into it. And so, so beardo stuck after that. Oh, that's amazing. That's such a good story, man. That's yeah. so cool. Oh, so when you were in radio, obviously you got to attend a lot of concerts and shows and, uh, what to you has, whether it was during radio or not, what was your most memorable concert you've been to and why? Ooh, um, that's the, the, as a radio host, there's always some that kind of stick out to you because of moments that, that happen. Um, my most memorable experience at a concert was actually the Bring Me the Horizon show at the Fillmore. And um, we did a meet and greet with Ollie and the whole band, really, um, in this green room at the Fillmore. And he stood there and talked to listeners just about their days for like half an hour before he's supposed to be on stage. Like we're just back there. One of the opening bands is playing and he's just having a full on conversation with like 10 people of the BPI family in this green room. And I was just sitting here like, man, I, I've, I've been in a lot of like, I've been in a lot of uh, meet and greets and stuff, but he, you don't see that all the time. I, like I, it's, it's just something so different. I was with you. I went back. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure you were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we went backstage, and uh, yeah, that was a ton of fun. I actually, in the background, I don't know if you could see it, but I actually have. Uh, they gave me a set list, and they signed their entire. Yeah, like, the whole that's band. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, man, that was. I forgot awesome. about that. Yeah, that's cool. And, that's- and and yeah, so it's just like it's stuff like that, like you know, where it's just a little because I mean, you remember that conversation? Like he was just bullshitting. Like he was. It, it wasn't about the band necessarily. It was just about our days. And he stood back there for however long it was, and I was just like, man, that's cool. Like I've never. Your normally meet and greets are very like, come in, say hi, get your picture, I'll sign something, move along. And, and that's just because there's time constraints and stuff like that. So, like, it, it's not the band being a jerk. It's just how it works. And, and for him to do that, I was just like, man, he just it's not just one or two people. There are ten people back here, like, just hanging out and chatting. Like, yeah. how cool was that? Yeah, and it wasn't even just so that's my That's, like, my, one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, it was the whole group. Yeah, it was the, the whole, whole band. band, like, for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was really so cool. So that's my favorite, like, yeah, that's my favorite meet and greet. My favorite concert that I've been to and just a fan of the band and attended um, was, was the Foo Fighters at Fiddler's Green. Um, I think it was 2015, 2016. Um, they played two nights there. Royal Blood opened up for them, which was like as a two-piece band with, with basically a bass player and a drummer. Holy crap. What a mind-blowing concert that was and and they were just the opener. You know, I was pretty blown away by that, but uh the night I went um Dave Grohl was sitting in his guitar throne cuz he was still in the walking boot after falling off stage and breaking his foot. Mm-hmm. But it was also the night that he brought on the guy uh he brought the guy on stage that was like super emotional and like started crying and was like freaking out but the dave was just so cool with the guy the whole time and it kind of turned into like just this funny joke and i i just remember being like man dave Grohl is still my bucket list like if i can sit down and interview any musician out there it's him 
because he just seems like a genuine person. He loves his fans. He loves being able to put on a show. I mean, the dude, the dude could have easily canceled 10 or 20 dates, whatever it was, after he broke his foot. And he was like, no, I'm going to make a giant throne out of guitar necks, and, and I'm going to sit on it, and I'm going to play guitar and sing and have fun and bring the energy every night. And I just remember that being like one of the coolest rock star moments of all time because a lot of bands, they wouldn't do that. Right. I actually have a crazy story for you about the Foo Fighters. So 2005, I lived in L.A., and my roommate, he was a huge uh, Foo Fighters fan. So he got two tickets to the Foo Fighters and Weezer concert. And uh, he's like, you want to go with me? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, and it was just general admission tickets. And so we were standing back there. There was people jumping around, and we were just kind of hanging out in the back. Well, this couple comes from backstage and they walk right up to us. They're like, Hey, we're good friends with the band. Um, we're, we got to take off. You guys look like cool people. You want our backstage passes. And we just look at each other. We're like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> we take these, yeah, we take these, and this is when Foo Fighters was on and Weezer had already performed cause they were opening for them. And, uh, so we went straight backstage. We passed Sugar Ray. He's hanging out on next to the stage. So I was like, Oh, what's up Sugar Ray. And then we get in the back Weezer, I guess they're very, um, they're, they're all about business. Like once they got off the stage, they don't stick around, they get on their tour bus and they're ah. out to the next one. And, uh, but when Foo Fighters got off, uh, we watched from the side of the stage. And then once Foo Fighters got off, we went back there and we were hanging out and all of a sudden Dave Grohl comes out of his dressing room and and we were the only two back there. I think I, actually, I think there was like one other couple, but they were just hanging out and he comes straight up to us. He's like, Hey guys, how's it going? And I shit you not. We had an hour and a half conversation about everything. And he was so cool. Like he, he was probably the coolest, like, entertainer i've ever met in my life and i just couldn't believe it i never pictured him to be so nice and he he signed my backstage pass and my ticket and i have that here and it was just such a cool experience and unfortunately i wish we would have had smartphones back then but uh right. I, we had uh my roommate had like one of those you know the three megapixel cameras that came on the flip phones and he had snapped a picture and with him but um I was just more about, you know, having the conversation with them and hearing all the stuff about Nirvana. And, and, you know, I didn't really go too deep into that with him. Cause I'm sure he talks about that all the time, but I was just, just bullshitting, man. And it, he was great. Like he had no, like he was never, Oh, I got to go. It was literally like he would talk until we said, okay, we're going to take off now. It, it, it wasn't even, you know, it was crazy, but yeah, he's such a good dude, man. And if you ever get the chance, like uh, the, the talent that guy has in one finger is like <laughs> more than it's ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's crazy. You brought that up. Cause I had that story. So <laughs> he, so before I like, right. I'm talking months before I started in the radio business, they did a show with the Foo Fighters at um, Oscar blues, the, the lions Oscar blues, like the OG one. And it was just like for like, I don't know, a couple hundred people, you know, one of these things that you could only get in if you win concert tickets. Well, one of my old coworkers is also a giant Foo Fighters fan. And she was telling me, like, somebody let slip how big a fan she was. And so Dave just went out, took the picture with her, was, like, giving her a hard time and, like, kind of, like, 
you know, the, the goofy, jokingly flirting with her because it's like her celebrity crush. And she just ate it up, man. Like, he, she, she loved it. She's like, I had the most fun that day. And it's all because Dave was just such a good dude. And we're in the middle of this, like, little Colorado brewery, like the most intimate concert experience you could get yeah. with Dave Grohl being just a, just a guy, just a dude. Right. Yeah, it's so freaking amazing how, how nice he was. And um, another story I have, it's not Foo Fighters, but I, I was also a fan of, of 30 Seconds to Mars. You know them? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yep. when I lived in L.A., there was the Virgin Mega Store off Hollywood Boulevard. And we went in there, and they're like, oh, do you want to stay for this little acoustic, intimate concert? And I was like, oh, well, who's playing? They're like, 30 Seconds to Mars. And I was like, yeah, like that'd be awesome. And uh so they played this, it was maybe 50 of us in this place and they're just jamming out and playing all their hits and then being able to talk to Jared Leto afterwards, which I was a fan of his movies before, especially, especially uh, Requiem for a Dream. And yep. I mean, to see what he's done now is just insane. But like they were probably uh, second after uh, Foo Fighters as far as uh, being the nicest people. And it, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. And I mean, I, I have... I have to say, like, if I were in radio, that would probably be one of my favorite things is being able to meet all these, you know, influential people and and successful people and getting to know them and ask them questions that I have always wanted to know about them growing up. If, you know, if I listen to them and just everything, I think that would be such a really cool experience. So there, there are moments, man, where where you're really shocked by just how down to earth people are because a lot of these guys like they're making millions of dollars a year they're around fans all day they can pick and choose who they want to hang out with who they want to talk to they're rubbing elbows with other celebrities and and then they turn out to be just super cool people it is it is a bummer though when they're the opposite like when it's a bummer when all of a sudden you meet somebody and you're just like oh they sucked. Like they, they weren't cool yeah. at all. They, you know, that was somebody that I, I admired and, and loved to see and, and wanted a chance to just, you know, get a picture with or get an autograph from. And, and they turn out to be, uh, just total dicks <laughs> for no reason, yeah. you know, other than they just think they're better. And it's, and it's like, dude, you're a performer. Like you wouldn't be here without your fans. You got to remember that. So it's, it is, it's tough. And, and there are just bands that give you the, the yes, no answers. They don't really want to dive into things. You know who surprises me the most, though, when it comes to like really good interviews and, and really good um, perspective is these younger bands. Like these up and comers that are hungry, man. They, like the, the day that I interviewed um, Bad Flower in the studio, those guys blew me away. Like, one, they're super intelligent. They're, they, they're young kids, but like they've got wealth of knowledge that you wouldn't think that they're barely in their thirties, you know, like they, they're really, really solid dudes. And they really just like to expand on things. They like to tell you what, what songs mean. They like to give you a peek behind the curtain of their writing process. And, and I've noticed that with a lot of, of uh, younger groups, there was a, gosh, I can't think of the name of the band right now, but the name of the song was called sawed off shotgun. And I remember interviewing the band in in the studio. Um, they did an acoustic performance for us. 
And I asked the guy a question because when they wrote that song, their record label was like, we don't want you to put that out as a single. And the band was like, screw it. We're making a video and we're putting it out as a single. We don't care what you say. And the whole video was like these handwritten letters because um, the whole the whole song is about like people just having a bad day and struggling with depression and doing all these things. And the band was like, we want to connect with people that way. We want to we want to make them feel like they're not alone. So we're doing it. We're putting out this song. And the whole video was um, like these letters that people wrote to the band. Like, this is how I got out of depression. This is there was a time where I thought about suicide and, and this is what changed my life and blah, blah, blah. And it was all these things. And they put it out. And I remember asking the band about it and they were really blown away that I knew that. And it was just like, wow. Like you did your homework, you you really want to have the deep discussion, and the, and from that moment, man, like they took the interview and just ran with it. They're like, whatever you want to know, we'll tell you. Like what, what? Let's have this conversation. Like let's get behind that. So, um, you know, just as as someone who runs a podcast, if you ever have an opportunity to to get guys like Josh from Bad Flower or uh, um, any of the guys from Is oh, it gosh, Glorious Sons. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, it okay. was. Yeah, any anytime you can chat with bands like that, man, like these these up and comers, that you'll be surprised how much uh, they're willing to talk and, and share their story, and it, and it's refreshing. It's really cool because you talk to some of these bands. You know, the, Nikki Six comes to mind. The first time I met him, it was one of those heartbreaking moments where it's like, dude, you're a dick. <laughs> you are not oh. cool. However, however, I'll follow that up with. That was when he was doing his radio show, Motley Crue, and it was very much a look at me moment. When he came back with 6 a.m., much cooler guy. Way, totally redeemed okay. himself second time around. So he is, he does have those good, those good vibes about him. Um, it's just, you know, I think it was just one of those moments. You caught him, you caught him in a bad day, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got a bad taste in my mouth. But, but when he came back, he, he very much redeemed himself. So, you know, sometimes you have those experiences too, where it's just just a shitty day for somebody, and and they're not uh, they're not ready to be behind the mic, they're not ready to be friendly. But the next time they come around, they're like, "All right, we remember why we're doing this. It's it's for you guys, so we'll be a little cooler." Yeah. So, who was your favorite uh, either person or band that you ever interviewed? Um, you know, Tobias was was a fantastic interview. The the lead singer for Ghost and. That interview surprised me because of how just worldly he looked at things. Um, you know, it was very much like, I'm not necessarily here to talk about my music. I'm here to have a conversation. If my music comes up, that's just part of the deal. Um, so I remember it was at the time where I was at, I, I, I asked him um, during that interview before the, the Budweiser event show, you know, I know you guys are taking a break. You, you don't want to tour. You don't want to write in 2020. Um, is that just part of the creative process? And he was just like, no, not really. It's because I want to go spend some time with my family. I want to go spend some time with my friends. And, and we got into this conversation about how much that's important and how much we as fans forget that. We forget that these people have lives and families and are doing things because all we want is the next album. All right. we want is the next tour. Um, so for him, it was like, yeah, you know, like it's part of the creative process in the sense that like if I don't go have these moments with people, then I'm not going to be creative. I'm, I'm going to put out albums that you guys think 
all sound the same or all suck because they're commercially produced and they're overproduced and I'm not putting any artistry behind it. And like him going down this path, all of a sudden I was wide eyed. I was like, I, I just figured you said you wanted to take some time off and go vacation, man. Like that's, that's the typical rock star answer. But like you gave me this real like moment of, of humanity and, and, and artistry. And I was just like totally blown away by it. So that one was, that one was really, really cool. And, and for people who were listening afterwards and they came back and were like, wow, like you, you totally crushed that interview. And I was like, honestly, like I asked a couple of simple questions and, and he took it from there where I could ask a follow-up question and it just turned out to be a good conversation. But that, that was it. Like there was, you know, my, my prep to it was very minimal from, from where the conversation went, which was really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So now you're doing uh, social media marketing. Is that what you said? I am. Yeah, yeah. So uh, during like the way it worked with with uh, the radio thing is I was furloughed. So technically I was still I was still an employee of the company, but I wasn't receiving a paycheck. And that happened for about six months. So in that time, I was like, all right, I can either sit here, do nothing, wait and see what happens and try to try to keep all those eggs in the radio basket or I can do something, you know, add to some skill sets that I've had. Like I've always been passionate about social media and I've always been passionate about web and, and online communities and, and how to market. Uh, so I went back to school. I went to DU, uh, the University of Denver, and I got a, a degree in digital marketing. And from there, so that took about four months and it was about the time that iHeart called me and they're just like, hey, you know, we're officially letting go of most of the people we furloughed. Um, you know, we'll pay out your severance and, and all this stuff. And, and at that time I was like, all right, well, I'm glad I have this digital marketing degree. Now I'll see what happens. And I went to work for an ad agency um, where we were working with different clients, everything from natural foods to pet to foods to toys to, to family, like baby um, gates and stuff like that. So a bunch of different businesses. And I found out real quick that the agency life wasn't necessarily for me. So I started kind of looking for some jobs. And um, my current role, I work for a company named Toddy. And they're a manufacturing company. What they do is they make equipment um, that'll allow you to cold brew coffee. Um, and then they sell it to a bunch of different clients and, and consumers. But in May, they were expanding their marketing department. And they're like, hey, we need a social media guy. I applied. I went through like four rounds of interviews and I didn't think I was going to get the job. And, and they hired me on. Um, it's up in Loveland and, and I've been doing their social media and some different marketing initiatives, doing a lot of video content and stuff with them. Uh, but it's great, man. I love it. It's in the coffee industry, which I'm a big coffee guy. I used to joke that after radio, I'd sell everything and go buy a coffee farm in Costa Rica just because I think it'd be <laughs> cool to live out my days doing that. I still might someday. Who knows? Um, but it's cool to just be involved in that industry. It's a lot of fun. It's a steady gig. Um, you know, like I said, I, I miss the connection and the community with the radio, but I get that now in, in being a behind the scenes guy with the coffee community and I'm learning a lot. So uh, it's cool, man. I, I enjoy it. Nice, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats on that. That's so cool. And so with social media, what, what all social media platforms are you on? I know you're on Instagram and that's how we've contacted back and forth, but uh, what else are you on? 
I'm on the big three, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's uh, Beardo of Colorado on Facebook and Instagram, just at Beardo on Twitter. Twitter's my favorite, though. I, I get into, like, because I'm a sports guy and because I'm a music guy, it's easy to get into some fun back and forth um, and, and just crack jokes. Like, you know, I, I make a lot of dad jokes and just goofy things on Twitter. So I think that one's fun. Uh, that one's probably my most active and, and favorite, but I'm all over the other ones too. If people want to hit that follow and subscribe, I, I like to reply to messages and stuff. Yeah. What are your thoughts on TikTok? I started using it. I just, I haven't got into it a ton yet. And I don't know if that's because... I don't know if it's because the the content creation there is a little bit different. Like I love photography, so it's easy for me to snap a photo and, you know, maybe do a little editing or whatever and post that on Instagram. Or I love to talk sports, so it's fun to, you know, post a meme about Kale McCarr on Facebook and and see how many people comment. Um, With TikTok, I haven't found that I I haven't figured out how to take all of these things that I'm super passionate about and create good content that keeps me connected with people that I want to be connected with. Uh, With TikTok, I think it's very easy to do the trendy thing and go by the wayside. And for me, with social media, like I really, I'm still, I grew up with, with the development of social media. So I still really use it to be social and to be connected. Um, so I, I, I don't really necessarily use TikTok in a way where it's like, oh, I'm going to go be funny and just create something and, and get a few laughs and then create again. And, and that's the other thing with TikTok. I think for you to be successful on it, you have to be churning out so much and it becomes so disingenuous. It becomes so like half the stuff I see on there now are like staged pranks or staged breakups or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I don't like that. That means nothing to me because yes, it's entertaining. But like at the end of the day, I don't relate with that. Like I, I don't want to go pull a prank on my girlfriend every day. We've got enough stresses in our lives. We don't need to be stressing each other out even more just to get a like or a view on TikTok. So it's tough. Like I've done, I've done a couple of things. I'm on there. It's, it's Beardo of Colorado. I've got some recipes. I I do some goofy things with my dogs. Um, You know, I want to figure out a way, like my, my challenge to myself this year has been to figure out how I can take like my love of the Colorado avalanche and, and turn it into TikTok content or my love for the Colorado outdoors and turn it into cool TikTok content, but also not copying stuff that's already done. Cause that's, you know, that's my third point with TikTok is there's a lot of copycats out there. Like, like I said, you, you jump on there, you do the trendy dance challenge and then you move on. And so I haven't quite figured it out yet for myself. Yeah. I try to, uh, w- the stuff I post, I try, I really don't post anything that's really trendy. You know, I, I kind of try to create my own, uh, videos and something that people haven't done yet. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's worked out pretty well. I, I've got a, I've got a decent following. I think I'm like 112,000 followers or something. So, oh, nice. I mean, it's doing, a, yeah, and it's doing okay. But I mean, I definitely see your point. There is a lot of you know, the same exact videos of, or I guess the same exact thing going on when something's trending, you know, they'll use the same sound or you'll the same dance moves or the same, the same content, but just, you know, with different people. And I mean, those get tons of views and likes, but I would rather be known for something I created, not something that 
I'm following somebody else doing, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's a thing, man. Like as someone who manages social media and, and works with various influencers, when I'm tapping someone to be an ambassador for a brand, I'm looking for those individuals that, that are different from each other. Like even in the, the coffee world a little bit, there's a lot of people who, you know, they do the same thing. They, they make a latte, they pour some cool art on it and that's what they do. And it's like, cool, like that, that's, that's awesome. But like me as an everyday coffee consumer, I don't necessarily care about the latte art that you made. I want to know what type of coffee you're drinking. Like, where can I get those beans? Where can I try that? You know, like the, the little flower design is cool and all. And for some, for other people, like they only care, how did you do the flower design? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's finding content like that in the world that you relate to, like with you being a a big music person, I'm sure there's a lot of musicians that you kind of follow and see on TikTok. And then you kind of follow and see these new musicians doing the same thing as everyone else. It's, it's almost like, look, man, like you don't got to cover a hot pop song in metal form for the 800th time. There's a bunch of bands out there doing that. Do something different. Give me something, something new, you know? And I think, I think it just it, it it's easy to fall into a repetitive formula with social media, um, but the people who do it, who who find that original content that can kind of blend both those worlds, they're the ones that are successful. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, crazy. I don't I don't know how often you're on TikTok, but there are a lot of of bands that we grew up with, and they're on there. And I mean, some of them are pretty good, but you got Papa Roach; they're really big on TikTok, and they're posting all kinds of crazy videos and I'm just like, I never thought of you guys, I guess, on this platform. But at the same time, I understand as a band, you have to kind of keep up with the times and to, you know, have the listeners from each generation listen to you. And as you continue to make music or, you know, whether they're actors or models or whatever the case, you know, they just try to basically just stay up with it so they don't lose that the fan base and keep creating fans, you know. What's crazy about TikTok that not a lot of people know is it started as a music platform. It started as a short form way for artists to get their music out there. That's why everything is like the 15 to 30 second clips. Like it was, it was basically a, here's a sample of my song. If you like more, please find me on places like YouTube, Spotify, you know, listen to your radio. Like it, that's how TikTok started. I remember, I remember it was about three years ago, uh, the iHeartRadio Music Awards ran a partnership with TikTok um, back when it was just first getting started. And it was the way that everybody could go vote for their, like that all the fans could go vote for their favorite artists. So we were doing all of these commercials um, on the radio, like, hey, use the TikTok app to find this video and vote for your favorite artist. And all it was was just for music. That's why their symbol is is a music note for their logo. Yeah. And then from there, man, it just blew, like the dance challenges blew up because a lot of a lot of artists were getting discovered through those trendy challenges. And then they started adding filters and, and everything else. So it, it kind of turned into, it went from a music app to like a video editing app. That's the thing I, I do really uh, find fascinating about TikTok is it is teaching people how to be video editors in a very fun way. 
It is teaching people mm -hmm. how to create video content in these new fashions and, and, and new ways that other apps hadn't done before. But that's not what is that's not where it started. So it's just fun to see uh, as a social media nerd. It's fun to see evolutions of these different platforms and, and where they can go. I, I call it audition tape because mm -hmm. in all reality, that's what it is. I mean, I've seen more and more TikTok personalities on commercials uh, they're doing movies now they're doing TV shows and it, you know, and that's, it's kind of like the, and they're getting music deals. It's kind of like the home-based uh, American idol, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're yeah. putting your stuff out there, you're auditioning. And then when you get all the followers and you get all the likes, I mean, it's really easy for, you know, a record company or an agent to say, Oh, look, they already have the followers. They already have the fans. So my job is just to sign them and, you know, have them do it. And they've done all the work for me. So it's like, you know, it's done already. So yeah, if you if you are a musician out there, gone are the days where the record rep comes to your show to discover you. It is now yep. through how many people are streaming you on Spotify? Where are you sitting on iTunes? Where are you on TikTok? How many views do you have on YouTube? Like those are the those are the ways artists are getting discovered. It's it's no more like I'm going to go I'm going to go to your show on a random Tuesday and if you don't suck, maybe we'll talk about having a record deal. Yep. And I honestly think with this being so successful and I mean I I really do believe that uh, the pandemic had that influence on TikTok because everybody was sitting at home and it really wasn't that big of a deal. But then once everybody was not working for months at a time, they discovered this app and it just blew up from there, you know? So I really think the pandemic helped them as a business, but I think with the success of it, eventually I think that's, what's going to not TikTok necessarily, but they're going to go to that kind of platform for sports. You know, you're going to, you're going to be sending in tapes for players in high school and, and you're going to send them out and that's how scouts are going to find the next, the next pro or the next person to get a scholarship. It's not going to be scouts showing up at your, you know, your game. It's going to be just all video based. And I think that's where we're going uh, technology wise for everything, you know, I mean, we're already well, at a point. Where... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say and vice versa. Like think about, think about like the athletes um, that, they jumped into things like podcasting. Pat McAfee, a perfect example. You know, he he just retired out of nowhere. Probably still could have played. Probably still could be playing as a punter in the NFL. And he was just like, eh, I'm gonna go. You know, try this new platform. I'm gonna try podcasting and see what happens. Now he's got one of the most successful podcasts in the world. Just signed like a sixty million dollar deal with FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever it was. And you know, that's that it's th this type of technology gives people the chance to have careers outside of their their everyday and yeah. and and for them to change and, and really discover what they like, man. Like there's mostly what I follow on TikTok is like recipe blogs and stuff like that, because I want the quick, easy, you know, I work all the time. So I want to put something in my crock pot and forget it. And I'll go on TikTok, and there's usually nine new recipes that I can go try or um, something like that. So yeah, to your, to your point, man, like it's, it's an audition tape and it is where communities are, are building um, these new business models. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy to see once again, where the future is, is coming to and the technology wise. And I'm excited, but I, I mean, it, it's a little scary to think about, uh, but 
at the same time, it's, it's really cool. Cause I mean, when I was a kid, I remember dial up internet and mm-hmm. just to get on the internet, it was about a 20 minute process. And, and now we're literally carrying many laptops in our pocket all the time with our phones, you know, and that part of it is so cool. And, um, I'm really excited, but nervous about what, what else is to come. You know, I think the whole AI thing is, is real. I, I think that's gonna happen. And, and I'm just, I just hope it doesn't get out of control. And, and, uh, I want it to bring positive stuff and not, not necessarily all the negative, you know? Yeah. It's very easy. It's, it's easy to go, to go either way. And, and I think, you know, as long as we're, as long as we're developing technology to, to make life better for people instead of widening that gap between, you know, rich, middle-class, poor, whatever, um, and, or we're using it to, to, to start wars and, and do other things. I, I think that there's, there's hope that it'll be good. And that's, that's, that's kind of where, you know, you, you find goofy things like TikTok and, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching videos on a four inch screen of just kids out there being kids and being goofy. And, mm-hmm. and it, it brings me joy because they found a way to entertain people in a unique way. And that's fun. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, cool, man. So I've got a few fast round questions um, that I'd like to kind of end the show with. And it's really just uh, to get to know you a little bit more. Nothing uh, too crazy, just simple, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So what is your favorite movie and favorite TV show? My favorite movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. I've actually got Jack Skellington tattooed on my calf. just loved it since I was a kid. And my favorite TV show, man, that's a tough one because there's so many good ones out. But I think the one that I can just binge watch over and over again is probably How I Met Your Mother. I don't know what it is about that goofy show, but it's one of those I can put on anytime and I, I usually get a chuckle. <laughs> They've actually uh, got, I just saw a commercial. There's a How I Met Your Father coming out. Yeah, with Hillary Duff. Yeah, she's she's like the main yes. one. I saw that too. I'll yeah. probably check it out. All right. And yeah, I'll probably look at it, but I, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be hard. To, it's always hard to beat the, the original, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so what is your favorite restaurant? Ooh. Ooh. That is the million-dollar question. Um, if I'm going... Wow. Actually, you know what? Right now, it's Cafe Mexicali. I love me some Cafe Mexicali. Those sweet pork nachos are just prime. Oh, so good. And I love their... So uh, good. Is it the... What is it? The habanero sauce or the white? Oh, it's like yeah. that white sauce. Oh, yeah, so that white good. sauce. It's yeah. so good. And, and I could probably <laughs> eat there once a week, and it's still delicious. Yep. I agree 100%. That's awesome. <laughs> What's your favorite pizza topping? Uh, I'm going to go with pepperoni. I've always been, you know, a classic pepperoni guy. If I just want a quick order of pizza now, don't get that twisted. I'll get adventurous because I love me some pizza. That's probably one of my favorite foods, but, uh, my least favorite, if that's a follow-up question is definitely pineapple. (laughs) Okay. Actually, you know, that's been a lot of the answer I've been getting from a lot of people. So yeah, pretty crazy as much as it's got a love hate following, but there's a lot of people that love pineapple on their pizza. I'm one of them. I like pineapple. So. Right. And my girlfriend does too. So we, we fight over pizza, pizza toppings sometimes. <laughs> nice. And now that we're in 2022, 
Um, I'm asking, what is your New Year's resolution? Uh, I think my biggest resolution is just to 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 see as much of the world as I possibly can. And it's weird because we're still in a pandemic, we're still in COVID, and you know you you don't know what the travel restrictions are. You you can't find tests and stuff. But uh, I really like just want to go travel and and go see places more. So if anything, you know, maybe I'll take a trip somewhere in the United States that I haven't been or, or haven't been in a while, uh, if I can't get it, get out of the world, but yeah, travel for sure. Okay. And then finally, um, so typically I ask who is your favorite TikTok creator? Um, but if you don't, I know you're not on TikTok a bunch, but if you don't have a TikTok creator, just any content creator from any social media platform, who is your favorite? The guy I've been following the most, and, and I have spent a lot of time with him in the last six months, is uh, a guy named Peter McKinnon. And he's he's knowing him, he's probably on TikTok. I just haven't really dove into it. But his Instagram uh, and his YouTube are really what I've been following. And he's a, he's a photographer and a filmmaker, but his photos are why I follow him. And he, he's uh, up in Canada, and he does these just amazing outdoor shoots that you know that actually inspired me to get a camera and i've started to to dive into the world of photography a little bit so so look out for that man hopefully that i guess that's another goal this year is to to hopefully get a little bit better at that so um, but peter mckinnon if you if you want to look him up i I highly recommend it visually he's fun his youtube channel is absolutely fantastic he does all of these crazy like commercials and, and behind the scenes and um, also has like his own vlog and stuff of, of his travels and filmmaking. Like it's, it's pretty neat. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check him out. So is there anything else that uh, you would like to plug for yourself or uh, anything else going on you want people to check out? Uh, I want people to check out more of this podcast because I think I think it's really good and, and awesome. You know, I went back and, and listened to a few of your uh, other episodes this week, and, and I think you're doing something awesome here, man. So hopefully people go and do that. Um, I guess if they want to follow me on social media, it's just at Beardo of Colorado on Facebook and Instagram and at Beardo on Twitter and, and give me that like or whatever. And if you're if you're a sports fan, especially, I'll interact with you all day. I've been arguing with people about the next coach for the Denver Broncos all day today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. lots going on today, actually. I saw the firing yeah. of, of, of Vic Fangio, and I'm wondering about that. And, and unfortunately, I just saw right before we got on the, on the podcast that Bob Saget died. I'm pretty bummed so- about that, yeah. So. Me too, man. Like he, he was, he was one of those celebrities that every time he came to the station was just a down to earth, fun guy to be around, man. Oh, you've gotten to meet so. him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, well, he would always do the comedy work shows. So any, like we had such a big partnership with comedy works that anytime they came in, um, him and, and Dave Coulier, when Dave Coulier, uh, came in, he's the one that played uncle Joey. No. He played, Joey, he played, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He was one of the other uncles on, uh, on full house and him and I talked hockey one day, just riding in the elevator. He was wearing a black Hawks shirt and I was wearing my abs Jersey and, uh, he was giving me a hard time. Cause I think that was one of the years that the abs weren't very good. And so we went back and forth and just, just cool guys, man, him and Bob. So it's, it's, it's a bummer to, to lose Bob Saget. The world needs more more funny people and good people. I'm, I'm hoping that it was, um, you know, nothing nefarious or, or nothing kind of crazy in there. If, 
if anything, it was natural causes. It's still just, it's a bummer to lose, lose a guy like Bobby was pretty influential. Yeah, absolutely. It's it. 2020 is not starting out how I thought it would. Betty yeah, White, right. you know, the, the day before. And then, yeah, yeah. It's, it's John Madden. Uh, I mean, Demarius oh, Thomas, man, that, that was a shocker to me. And yeah, that it's one just been, hurt, it, man. Yeah, it really did. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been fun, man. I haven't talked to you in a while, so it was good seeing you. I wish we could have done it in person, but, you know, this works too. And, you know, you're close now. You're really close to me, and uh, I'd really like to maybe get a beer sometime, man, and hang out or, uh, you know, introduce uh, the wife and the girlfriend and maybe just, you know, hang, hang out, you know. It'd be good to see you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm I'm always for that stuff, and you know, beer and beer and hangs are some of my favorite pastimes. So, we'll definitely do that. Right on, man. Well, thank you again. It was so much fun talking to you, and I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem, dude. All right, brother. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Dick talking. Dick talking with Kevin Hughes. Well, well, well. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of that? Uh, Beardo's such an awesome dude. I mean, like I said, I've known him probably, gosh, it's got to be around five years now. But yeah, he's just down to earth. He's a really cool guy. He, you know, he he really cares a lot about what he does and what he did on radio. And even though he's not on radio anymore, he, you know, he's just out to be that cool, caring dude. So I really hope that. You follow him on his Instagram. Uh, he's up and coming on TikTok, like he said. But, you know, I think you can follow him on there and, you know, he'll get more into it eventually. But his Instagram is amazing. His Facebook is great. So if you have a chance, go give him a follow. I promise you'll love the dude. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun talking to him. And I hope you guys really enjoyed that. And if you're listening to this, you obviously stayed till the end. And I really appreciate that. That's that's my biggest thing. If you stayed to the end of the show, ah, I love you guys for that. So, so I really hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, I will have another fantastic guest next week. So I will see you then. Have a good week, guys. Be safe. Bye.